This is Make It Plain. M.I.P. With my Mark Thompson. Make It Plain. Get woke. Folks, once again, with his fearless media commentary, our friend at PressRun.media. If you've not described, subscribed, rather, you're missing something. Please subscribe, PressRun.media. Eric Bowler joins us now. Eric, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you. Well, for those of you who don't know, Politico and its ongoing critique of, of women and Democrats in particular. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know why they're not self-aware of what they look like. Jennifer Rubin, who was formerly conservative, but like many conservatives, um, changed uh, after Trump. I saw George Will on MSNBC the other day talking against Trump, uh, but there's no expose on George Will as a man. But anyway, um, they decided to, to hold her into account and to suggest that there is some type of uh, symbiosis between her and the Biden White House and how she may not be as objective as she should be. And then she emailed them back uh, in what should have been an off the record conversation about their treatment of her and other women. And Politico decided to expose that pretty much proving the point of her of her email. So with all that, Eric, and you wrote about it, you wrote about it and covered it probably better than anyone. See, the other thing that Eric does, folks, we see a lot of tweets, but but Eric actually takes it, gives us the chronology, breaks it down, and then gives us his own objective analysis, and that's why he's so important. But it does did not that incident, Eric, really show Politico's hand? It did. Well, it showed many things, and one of it showed is the press gets very frustrated covering the Biden administration because minus Afghanistan in August, there's there's not much drama and there's not, not much news. So Politico, you know, the playbook is supposed to be the must read every morning. This is what's happening in Washington. And they do their hardest to gin up the drama. They didn't have to do it during the Trump years because it was chaos for four years. So the, the fact that their lead item was about a, a Washington Post columnist who the White House likes and sends out her links and somehow that's a story really was the tip off number one that folks are really, you know, scrounging at the bottom of the barrel, which which doesn't reflect poorly on Jennifer Rubin. It reflects poorly on Politico. Why, why is this even a story? You know, and, and, and the way they positioned it, as you said, the symbiosis, there's, there's this, you know, mysterious working relationship between Rubin and the White House. No, she writes, she writes pro-Biden stuff. The Biden White House likes it. I mean, this is, this is journalism 101. There's nothing underhanded going on here. And my God, during the Trump years, there's, there's a literally a billion dollar right wing media industry that did nothing but parrot, you know, his attacks and, and his rhetoric. I didn't see Politico, you know, doing these mini exposés trying to shine a light on that. But my takeaway from it, and, the, and as you point out, there's a lot of online chatter about this email she sent and should it have remained off the record? Politico said no because we didn't have an upfront agreement for anything to be off the record. So therefore, you know, according to the, you know, the journalism guidelines, we, we were okay to print it. And just real quick to get that out of the way, uh, in theory, yes, but that, that kind of stunt is all, is very rarely used because people, reporters are sent stuff quote off the record all the time with no prearranged agreement and reporters just ignore it. 
they say, well, I can't use this because, you know, we didn't have an agreement. They don't they don't print it in full with the person's name on it, meaning it was a, it was a cheap stunt. It was meant to undercut her um, and, and it was meant to make her look bad. And I think most people who read her her email thought uh, political was the one looking bad. But my my big takeaway was, you know, this is a wash. This is one of the few inside voices within elite D.C. media that has been calling out crummy Biden coverage. She was particularly during the summer. She she and I were and you and we all saw eye to eye in terms of this hysterical Afghanistan coverage, you know, completely over the top 24 seven. So um, if if and and I think the, the political piece was a brushback. It was a, the political yeah, piece was yeah. saying, hey, mm, we're, we're not OK with this. We're not OK with a Washington Post, you know, columnist calling out Politico and calling out the rest of the Beltway insiders. Uh, because if it's so easy for a Washington Post columnist to identify bad Biden coverage and irresponsible and misguided Biden coverage, then the Beltway Press can't say, oh, oh the only people who don't like it are people like you and me on the fringe. And every, right, everyone right, right, right. the Beltway understands we're doing an amazing job. You know, these critics on the left, they don't really understand journalism. They, you know, it's kind of, you know, we're operating on another level. Uh, they should just be quiet. But you can't make that argument when there's a Washington Post columnist leading the parade saying, what are you doing? What is this Afghanistan nonsense? What, why are you trying to pin this on Biden? Uh, you know, and all that. So I saw it as, yes, uh, the boys club pushing back on, a, on, a, on an influential woman voice and an influential Democratic voice and, and basically saying, hey, you need to you need to take a step back because we don't like what you're doing. And, yeah. that is, and, and just my last quick point, that is never done in the Beltway media. I mean, you could look at political playbook for 18 months. I guarantee there aren't three examples where they kind of zero in and try to target, you know, a fellow journalist within the Beltway media. Why did they target her? I think we I think I think we know why they targeted her. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. And the fact that that she's standing up and, and Jennifer Rubin has her own cachet and credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and, and let's face it, part of that comes from, you know, being a convert. People are getting second lives and second careers, basically. And I'm not knocking it. Um, yeah. um, the the um, basically from converting from the Republican Party. Right. I mean, and, and I mean, that, that that's that's credibility. Anybody, yeah. anybody who has the courage to say this is crazy and right. we're former Republicans or still Republicans and don't think this is the way things should be, right. you know, ought to be rewarded. That's a good example to set the host, for example, in the, in the Bush White House, the host of, uh, of, of Deadline. Yeah, right. Deadline White House. You know, th- that those are good things. And so you're probably right too. an outlet like Politico. It is harmful for someone of Jennifer Rubin's stature. Right. To call out crummy uh, Biden coverage. And and as you've also pointed out, I, I, I mean, I, can we dismiss the fact that she's also a woman? They think they seem to have a thing yeah. with women yeah, of course. being self-determining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> she kind of picked her own path. And another point is, you know, it's, it's a small point about, you know, people who converted, you know, the never Trumpers. And I think it's important, you know, there are some voices who turned on Trump 
And then when Biden came into office, they kind of went right back to being the you know, mainstream Republican. Hey, we need you know deficits, and Biden doesn't know what he's doing. You know, people like Rubin have have remained true to this new calling. You know, and she has been emphatic in her critique of the Republican Party, which even without Trump in the White House, she sees as a radical, dangerous, insurrectionist, anti-democratic movement. So, you know, uh, I, I think she do, does deserve credit. And, I, you know, I worked in Media Matters for 10 years. 10 years ago, I was criticizing her work on a daily basis because mm. I, I thought it was misguided. I mean, she wrote a column called The Right Turn for The Washington Post. So your point is a good one. You know, I think she has added credibility, not only because of the Washington Post, but because she used to be on the other team. And so she brings a certain insight. But she has been relentless on the Beltway Press, this love of both sides journalism, this love of Dems and disarray. Uh, and and she, has been, uh, she has been relentless in calling it out. And I think, you know, some folks at Political decided, you know what, that's that's it's time for a brushback pitch and to let her know that the cool kids don't uh, aren't okay with this. You know, we, as I've mentioned in my piece, you know, it's been mentioned many times beltway media kind of functions on the level of a high school cafeteria, you know, where the cool kids form their cliques and try to keep everyone in place. Uh, And to me, this whole misguided attack on her uh, kind of reeked of, of that kind of high school desperation, honestly. More MIP after this message. Speaking of crummy coverage, I was asked to be on a show over the weekend, and the premise was uh, Biden's numbers being underwater, how bad his poll numbers are. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. The people who booked me didn't know that I know you, uh, (laughs) and I read you, and I quoted you. You know, about, you know, this this whole thing being overstated. I don't think people were happy to hear that. But I mean, you you did a, a whole layout of of what it was and and how it's not really as bad as the Bellway media is presenting it. But that's what the headlines say. Even yeah. the address, the address to the U.N. Oh, uh, yeah. CNN uh, had a, a headline Biden trying to convince global leaders he's not another Donald Trump. Right. Who what is what is the context? But again, I guess, as we've discussed, all these things, it's all about clickbait these days. It is. I guess. There's, there's not a leader on the planet Earth who thinks Biden is the next Trump. I mean, my God, what are we even talking about? This is supposed to be CNN, you know, one of the leading, you know, news organizations, not only America and the world. Like, my God, what? Well, how do you even anyway? And, and, but the polling one was interesting, right? The, the, the last national poll that came out was from Fox over the weekend. Biden at 50 percent. You know, that's one of his best of the summer. Right. Boy, you didn't, nobody heard about it. Even Fox News, you didn't want to cover it. They, they pointed out Biden was at 50% in the 11th paragraph of its own polling story. It wasn't splashed all over the Sunday news. But a couple of days earlier, when someone had him at 43, oh my gosh, you know, let's, we need to do eight minutes on Biden's polling. So it's, it's, it's cherry picking. And as I pointed out in my piece, Biden's basically lost four points in four weeks, which if you had, you know, watched the, particularly the Afghanistan cover, you know, his presidency was collapsing. This was the end of his first term. He'd lost all credibility. America had lost credibility in the world. That's just not the case. And I added some additional, you know, historical context. I mean, his, his slow slide this summer, a lot of it was just, you know, traditional, you know, Obama from inauguration day to his first September lost seven points, you know, the honeymoon, 
you know, it tends to fade away. Biden, between Inauguration Day and September, he lost seven points. This is not unusual. If you want to talk about a collapse, I went back and looked. Ronald Reagan lost, uh, I think it was 16 points in nine days when he ran Contra broke. Uh, George Bush lost uh, lost 15 points in, 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 in three months after the uh, launch of the Iraq war. So there are actual examples of, of semi and, and somewhat recent presidents just absolutely cratering. <laughs> Joe Biden losing four points o- over the summer ain't one of them. Uh, but the press was so invested in the Afghanistan story. They wanted to prove that they were right. You know, they, they wanted to prove uh, that this was a, a, a president who was unsure and and, and that leads to nonsense like world leaders aren't sure he's the next Joe Biden, right? That's an attempt to normalize, um, isn't the next Donald Trump. So that's an attempt to normalize Trump. And we're seeing increasing signs that the press is just absolutely desperate uh, for Trump to announce his, his next re, uh, re-election run. And a key point of doing that is just to continue to normalize, normalize, normalize him and, and just present him as the, you know, the Republican in waiting instead of this. <laughs> madman who just led an insurrection and has killed 100,000 people personally by by vaccine misinformation. Should we be prepared once Trump announces for the coverage of Trump to go back to 2016 levels? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be harder because he's not going to run against a woman. And Trump ran into the exact same problem in 2020. Republicans and the press thought they were going to run the same playbook they ran against Hillary Clinton. But it turns out there's advantages to being an a, 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 a older white man in American politics and none of that stuff sticks. So but the, the coverage when he announces is absolutely all the yeah, we're, we're just going to see a repeat. We haven't seen any lessons learned real quick. You know, I, I point out no lessons learned in the California recall right during the days and weeks up to the recall. They were lying about the voting. They were lying about fraud. They were lying about being rigged. And nobody was calling it lies. They pretended, you know, it was normal for a Republican Party to preemptively suggest a statewide election was fraudulent. So we're seeing indications that not a lot of lessons have been learned from 2016 because I think virtually all of it is driven by they want to normalize Trump. They want him back in the arena. They want those book deals. They want those clicks. They want those ratings. And they don't want to offend Republicans and they they want to prove they're not part of the liberal media bias. More MIP after this message. I had, I think I shared with you the other day, I think it was the LA Times. Yeah. Another article where once again, the media, some of the mainstream media and Beltway media in particular, they want to do interviews with people who voted to recall Gavin Newsom. It's, it's just this fascination. It's as if they have a duty yeah. to, to lift those people. I don't remember, and, and again, all I'm, I'm, I'm always dating myself. I know I shouldn't. Eric's too young to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, sure. I don't remember people interviewing Walter Mondale voters. Right, Dukakis voters. And Dukakis. I don't, remember, I don't ever remember seeing any interviews like that. Ever. Um, um, you look, I mean, <laughs> L.A. Times after that recall, you know, which the press spent all summer. Dems and dis- this is going to be not only bad news for Newsom, and America, this is going to be bad news for Biden. This is going to drag down the entire Republican Party because this is going to be uh, this is going to be a vote on vaccine mandates and covid and how Biden is. You know, it's not just about California. The recall loses by 30 points. You know, no mention on the Sunday shows. 
But the LA Times did announce that Larry Elder, who just got embarrassed and humiliated on a statewide vote, he had emerged as the star of the campaign. And LA Times, as you say, goes out and interviews, you know, recall voters in a state that they just got trounced. It's really just absolutely remarkable. Look, it's the headline, which I never saw, Republicans embarrassed in recall vote. That is 100% the accurate. Yeah. They, they picked this fight in California. They thought they could knock him out. He got abs- they got absolutely embarrassed. What it revealed is there is no real Republican Party in the state of California. I mean, there's a few members who represent Congress. That recall campaign was a joke. Those, cam- those rallies were a joke. There was no top to bottom push by the Republican Party because it doesn't really exist in the state of California. But all summer long, you know, there was all this, oh, Newsom could lose. There were a couple of weird polls that showed maybe it was eight or 10 points. And I think that opened the door for the press to start wringing its hands and everything. But then when the results came in, the press, kind of like the Afghanistan, when the facts changed on the ground, the press didn't want to change. You know, they were committed to this idea that the, the rec- and so we saw, well, the fact that Newsom even faced a recall was bad news for the Democrats. Uh, yeah, if you completely ignore how recalls are handled in California and that the st- and the law needs to be changed, I guess you could cling to that. But when you win a recall by, you know, 30 or 35 points or whatever it was, it's impossible to, to come to any other conclusion. But that's the whole Dems in disarray. And, and that's, again, being married to a, a narrative. And of course, there was zero coverage about how this was good news for Biden and how his vaccine mandates are popular with the silent majority in this country. Uh, and they're only the silent majority because the press won't interview him. That's the real polling story, going back to his fake collapse of the summer. The real polling story right now is that Biden's vaccine mandates, which the Republican Party screamed about, and the press covered it as a, as a divisive policy, 60, 65% say, of course, there should be vaccine mandate. mandate. Of course, people should be vaccinated before they fly, go back to school and things like that. But that's less interesting. So that doesn't get as much covered. There's not much drama uh, and, and Republicans aren't yelling about it. So the press doesn't care. We are left to wonder how much this type of coverage and all the false equivalencies impact the electorate. Yeah. How that impacts their vote, their, their morale, apathy, what have you. And something else you said, being an, an older white dude has his advantages. Yeah. But it only, you know, I, I, you know, I call Biden, I don't mean it pejoratively. I mean, I call him Wonder Bread. Yeah, right. And that's, that's what he is. And, oh. and everybody knows Wonder Bread smells good. It's not good for you, but people <laughs> accept it. It's always been a part of our lives. Yep. Um, but we have, to, we have to think about why it's advantageous to be Wonder Bread if the Beltway media is promoting it. If the Beltway media decided to be more objective and to be more fair in his coverage, then maybe Wonder Bread wouldn't be advantageous. It, you're right, it is now. No, it's totally. Um, it's totally advantageous. But they've, Politico has pretty much already let us know. They are not going to abide Kamala Harris running for president. Oh, gosh, no. no. They, I mean, they have signaled that. That's not, we can't even, yeah. you know, play, yep. they, they're just not going to let that happen. And then the question then becomes, how many others of the Beltway media are going to take their cue? And then last to the question I have, you talked to us last time about the 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 change in ownership of Politico. I was just going to mention, yeah. Uh, yeah, th- that's real. But I, I missed something, Eric. How did Politico 
how did it become and how become so influential in the first place? And then and how has it maintained its influence in in this sea? I mean, there's so many media yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. What what is it that keeps it? Why are people hanging on to politicos everywhere? Uh, so well, I think a lot of it is tonnage, and to their credit, they have a very large staff, and that's kind of what's so frustrating. They have among the most resources in in all of D.C. They have a very large staff. They do cover, you know, if you're willing to pay for the uh, the premium, you know, they cover every hearing. It, you, they really go into the weeds in terms of covering the bureaucracy of Washington, the way you know a lot of newspapers just can't afford to do anymore. So. They, they do spend money and they have a very large staff. And, you know, I would say they're more serious than kind of Roll Call or The Hill. So they, they kind of this, you know, which are kind of the trade magazine approach, you know, uh, cover the minutia, but, um, you know, in a very granular way. Political can do that, but they can also they also have aspirations to be, you know, the Washington Post and the New York Times. Here's the key. A lot of political alumni have migrated to the Washington Post and the New York Times. So unfortunately, the brand of journalism that political, Politico embraces, a lot of love of the Republican talking point, a lot of Dems disarray, a lot of clickbait. That is now the norm at some of the larger wow. news outlets. So it's not only a problem at Politico, they've kind of spread that contagion to other larger players, which is not good. But, you know, uh, I think... And just to answer your question again, you know, they position themselves, particularly with Playbook, as being, you know, real insiders and super savvy. And they try to talk in a certain lingo that appeals to everyone who works in the Beltway. And 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 and, and I think they kind of signal that they're in this kind of elite world uh, and there's inside jokes and, inside, you know, things like that. Uh, and so uh, I, I think that's one. That's also very interesting. They have no columnists. They don't have an opinion section. And it's, you know, it's all just kind of straight news. It's been success. I mean, the, the owner just sold it for a billion dollars. So it, it has been successful. There's no question. Uh, folks, but um, all of you, all of us are missing something if we don't subscribe to PressRun.media. That's the antidote uh, to the both sidesism, the false equivalency that much of the Bellway media promotes. You can... Yeah, that's the vaccine. Press Run is the vaccine for that. So, folks, do check it out. Pressrun.media. Always a pleasure to talk with there. And you can listen to him now. He Not only does he write, but he records uh, his articles. You can hear them, listen to them while you're on your run or in the car or whatever, as many of us like to do these days. So be sure to check him out and, and be more enlightened. And, I, and trust me, when you, when you begin to read and listen to Eric and then... You go then back and read media coverage with through his lens, through your new lens, through that third eye. Never be the same. Mm-hmm. You, you you can't go back. You say you, you feel even smarter. Whoa! I never thought you just you, you're more discerning when it comes to all of that. So, folks, uh, do take advantage of it. Eric, as always, buddy, appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right, thank you, man. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.